For this week of the podcast, I got to sit down with creative writer and my former teacher, Ben Green. For my first class with him, I always found Ben to be a fascinating person with a very unique mind. In this discussion, we go over various topics related to art, including spirituality, creative needs, and the writing process. Uh, we we played at your the Jazz Vespers things a couple of times. Right. Yeah. I was wondering, like, uh, do you see a tight connection between sort of spirituality and the art making process? Like, is it at the end of art you end up in like the realm of the gods or something? Well, it's a it's a, uh yeah, that's a really interesting question. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily the case, but I do think that there is a uh, divining process. You know how divining also, of course, is used for finding water, right? Like a divining rod is. is a, a divining rod is a bent stick that people use. Will walk around with. Or look, look this up later, but people. Uh, I think I think of Irish people doing this, although I don't think it's limited to that. I think it's an old, perhaps pagan custom that there are certain sticks that are bent a certain way, and they're called divining rods. And if you walk around with uh, in a field somewhere, you could actually, or the woods, you can find sources of water through the way that the stick will lead you or bend you, and it's called a divining rod. So, so. Um, and uh, and apparently there's, it's not just a bunch of hooey. Although I mean I can't substantiate the scientific nature of it, but I think people have found water sources through divining rods. Why I'm not sure. So I think there is a certain uh, search for sources that happens through the artistic process that that could be. Um, uh, described as a uh, uh, search for the gods and, or God in a sense. So I think there there could be a mystical experience that happens through art form for sure. And I think a number of artists reflect that, although I wouldn't necessarily say that's true of all of them. Sure, yeah. Um I think even like phenomenologically, like when you're, I don't know, playing your music or, or really into the writing process, there's this some weird shiny meaning feeling that's going on, right? Well, there is a sense of connection, isn't there? I mean, even when you're playing solo and it, I mean, you would know this better than I, playing with other musicians, uh, I've, I've, I've heard it described this way that, that, when um, uh, when it is really working best, it's not just that you're communicating with each other, but you're kind of linked into a common source. It's almost as if the music itself is is calling you to serve it as best as possible, so to speak, right? Yeah. And and when and and when it really works well. Uh, you realize, hey, we were locked in there, and, and it wasn't. And it was partly, yes, we were communicating with each other, but it was really almost as if the music took us over and used us as a um, conduit. Um, so I think that that 
definitely has a uh, that element to it, and I, I I do think that's also the case with solo. I mean, I sp- definitely with. I'm mean, not that I have the skill to do to um, uh, even you know just playing my guitar um, by myself. Sometimes you, you, I feel uh, you know like a, a whatever I'm playing has kind of taken over me, and I'm I'm in the groove, so to speak. And I think that definitely happens with writing too. Sometimes you feel that. Uh, you've reached the level or or the the part of the path where it's all smooth and you're being led rather than uh, scrambling or scrabbling your way through. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that, like, those points where it feels like something is acting on you where you're no longer really in charge or or initiating anything. It's kind of like it's coming out of you in a way or, yeah. Yeah, well, (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean that, that sort of goes back to the first question. But uh, do you know John Lee Hooker? Uh, I've heard of him, but haven't listened to yeah, him. Yeah, blues musician. He has a song called um, uh, uh, "I don't know if it's called Let That Boy Boogie." I'll, I'll, I'll find out the title, but sure. um, where he's describing himself as a as a kid uh, who is compelled to play and 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 I as I recall in the song the the mother is puzzled by the by the young the young blues musicians um, uh, compulsion to play but somebody tells the mother uh, let that boy boogie woogie. It's in him. It's got to come out. And um, and that's kind of what we're both talking about here. And we're talking about the beginning. Sometimes you feel like it's it's got to. You have to release it somehow. But it but it's but it's not it's not as we've indicated. Not always necessarily an internal emotional release. It, it's sometimes it's a uh, um, there's a, a sense of the other that's involved. With your um, fiction pieces or like short stories or longer forms, are you much of a planner or do you kind of just go spontaneously and hope yeah. for the best? Or I have started stories where I don't know where they're going. I mean, I think of one example of a story that it just began with a little phrase that that hinted at a character that led to a whole unfolding of the story that I had no idea where it was going. Then some stories, I, I know I want to write about this incident or this situation, and again, I don't plan them out. But um, of the last three stories that I completed, two of them... I had to actually do some plotting for where I have to number the sequence of here's, I mean, this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, then this is going to happen, which is not my usual modus operandi, 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 um, MO. Um, uh, but in, in the cases of those two stories, it was very helpful. And I think 
yielded some good results. Um, yeah, and in one of the cases, it was I had all this material that I wanted to include, but I didn't know how to best deploy that material to optimal effect. Right? I I want to include this and this and this and this, but what order do I? And they were it was, it was jumping back and forth in, in time. So what order do I put it in that's going to serve my purposes best? In another case, it was I need to figure out what's going to happen here and what could lead to what. I had some glimmers of what I wanted to occur, but I really wasn't sure how to make it work. And so I actually mapped it out in advance. Mm -hmm. And then the... Um, in the novel that I wrote, there was some, kind of some of both. I knew some of what I wanted, but eventually I needed to, I needed to figure out, okay, where is this going to go? And I had to do some organizing. Yeah, I think another thing that uh, sometimes comes up is not really knowing how uh, your writing will be sort of, sort of read, like because writing it takes a lot of time, and uh, you might think you've included enough because it's taking you X amount of hours to write all those passages. But then, as a reader, you can go through the passage much quicker, right? And so then sure. maybe you feel there's not enough detail. As right. how do you go about ensuring that what you've written will be uh, sort of match what you think a reader will uh, read? <laughs> right. Well. I don't think it can exactly. Uh, um, that's 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 the tricky part, of course. Is you know what you're going for, and sometimes you think, "Wow, that's good." It's subtle, but it's good. But uh, um, and then and it might and and the concern becomes: Will people pick up on what I'm going for here? I don't know that there's any surefire way. I mean, first of all, you have to to some extent write to to please your own artistic intentions and, and standards because chances are that there will be someone, it may not be a broad audience, but there will be others that will, that will um, be able to appreciate it at that level. And, and I think uh, I can't, I, I think you can't, unless you're totally bent on making money, um, I don't think you can try to tailor your art to the tastes of, of, of a broad public that you're not even aware of, you know, you haven't even met. I do think, and I can't say that I have this, but I do think it's useful to run things by uh, a trusted uh, individual that you think is is perceptive enough to or or individuals ideally you've got a several that you say hey what do you think of this and 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 you want some sort of response but um i mean that that was the advantage in that university setting that i was telling you about the creative writing program is you get there's you, you get an audience uh, built in to hear to hear some things and but anyway if you have a, some people that you can say hey check this out tell me your tell me your reactions I, I mean what you're hoping for ultimately is 
praise, but uh, it's you're uh, you, you. I think uh, you know if, if if you have an in, integrity as an artist, you're you're really wanting a a, a response that's going to be uh, straightforward, honest enough that that if if the reader or the audience for a piece of music is uh, you know going to serve you well, they they will say, hey. I, I liked this, but this part, I don't know, or I didn't understand this, or I thought that the ending didn't work so well. I, mean, I think some artists are, are confident enough in their own vision that they don't really mind if most people don't get it uh, because they know, hey, this is, I know what I'm going for here, and if all of you don't get it, I still, I still know that it's good. Now, of course, it, I suppose that happens with with mediocre artists too. That think, hey, this is great, and it's, and and they're told otherwise, and they say, well, you know, but but I'm a genius, and you're not. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, but uh, I, I think it's, it would be helpful to have. Um, this is a long answer to a, a short question, but I, I think it would be helpful to have people that that you can run things by that, that might see what their reaction is. Um, so I guess at the end of the day, you still kind of go with your gut instinct, but then do try to workshop a little bit to like get yeah. people's heads more. And w- what did most of you guys do post um, like after graduate school or? Oh, that's, you know, well, most of them went into teaching basically. Yeah. And, and I think many of them continued yeah, I, I, the ones that I know continue to write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just curious a little bit about like um, sure. what the kind of paths are open to people. To post. Yeah. yeah. If I could, if I could think of an an exotic one, I would tell you. <laughs> Can't at the moment. Like a snake charmer or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what poetry is, right? Snake charming. <laughs> uh, wait, how did you end up in Victoria then, or? Oh, that, oh, hey, okay. Here's that's a good one. Um, through Jim, he had a pal named Larry that they had they had gone to high school together, and Larry came to visit us in in Greensboro. Um, I met Larry through Jim, and 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 there there's a whole another circle of uh, eccentric whole other circle of eccentric friends there that I met through Larry and eventually when Jim was living in Denver Larry and I one summer took a a long road trip in a Volkswagen minivan and we rode across the United States basically uh, following the the Rockies I mean we, we spent some time with Jim in Denver carried on going up into the Rockies and, and into the Canadian Rockies and eventually wound up on Vancouver Island. We were just looking for national parks and, and beautiful places to camp and you know, experience life. And we had, both of us were involved in education. I, I at that point was working f- through the, South Carolina Arts Commission as a poet in residence. They had an artist in residence program. And so 
number of different artists of, of a wide range of uh, genres were contracted to teach in the schools for anywhere from one week to 12 weeks. So I, I, I was working as an itinerant poet in the schools for, for, for a while. So I had the summer off. Larry was in education. He was a high school teacher, art teacher, and he was in education. So we traveled across the state, spent some time with Jen, wound up on Vancouver Island and camped at Long Beach and wound up camping at a camp. Uh, at the time, you could camp on the beach, actually, but we were um, uh, we camped next to where uh, a group of three women were camping, and we met them, and one of them eventually became my wife. And um, so, through the connection with her, I you know stayed in contact with Vancouver Island. Uh, I mean, I. Continued to work in the States, but uh, spent the summers here. And then we got married, and and we lived in the States for two and a half years, but we moved back to, back in her case, and me for the first time, moved to the Victoria area. And I took a year of getting what's called a PDPP, post-degree. I already had my master's degree in, in creative writing. Um, so I, but in order to teach in Canada, I needed a, a year, basically at the time it was a year of, uh, upgrade or topping up, so to speak. So I, uh, spent a year doing that and then became a teacher here. I just interviewed Joey Smith a few weeks ago and he oh, was yeah. also on the road with the Glenn Miller orchestra and it just happened to be in, um, like at a radio station here in Victoria and then the oh. announcer is now his wife. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that's kind yeah, of see, that's, well, that's what Americans do. They come here and charm Canadians, but the wind, <laughs> but uh, wind up. Yeah. <laughs> that's ironic, isn't it? Uh, and then, uh, but they wind up, but know where they know where they end up, right? They don't move there. Well, let's talk a little bit about like the creative urge. Like what do you think is responsible for that? And, artists like why do they do what they do <laughs> well uh, there is a certain compulsion to do it and, right. and i think there's a um it's i won't say it's because they have no choice because sometimes we fight it or we fight it all or we we slough off the uh the uh call so to speak but it is it, it is a sort of um feeling that I this I can only express myself this way and so I'm going to express myself this way and and um, but there's a satis I mean it's often a struggle but there's a satisfaction in it that is worth the effort so um, and and as you advance in an art form you feel like you know what you're doing better than you did when you started. And and so I think there is a, uh, a sense, uh, I think urge is a good term for it. There is a sense of, um, this is the terrible analogy here, but I thought about how uh, 
and this probably is going to be a part you want to cut out, but I thought about how serial killers occasionally will feel like I've got to kill somebody or I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to rest easy. Um, <laughs> um, so, so we're like different. That. It's different though. I think the, the, there's the, no victims that I'm aware of in, in, in fulfilling the creative urge. So I think it's just a, you feel that, you, you feel something that, that attracts you to a, a particular uh, mode of expression and you feel like I've got to, I've got to see where this takes me. And I'm, and I really want to finish this because I, I like, I enjoy the process. I, I, I enjoy the process of, of, of creating a, a piece of art. I mean, for whatever it's worth. Right? Yeah. And, um, so if, if we think of that as an urge, do you see there being like uh, inspiration is often brought up that are there particular moments where you're more motivated to create artwork or like, what is it usually associated with that you end up uh, feeling this urge? Mm, well, it's kind of random or uh, yeah, yeah, it's like all the time you want to make something right. Or No, no, but um I think there's something to be said about daily engagement. Not that I can claim to meet that goal, but um, um, I what what's the spark, so to speak? It, it can vary so much. Sometimes, in, in my case, a particular word captures my attention, or a particular phrase captures my attention. And I think, oh, that's an interesting word, or oh, that's an interesting phrase, and then, and then it can it can spin out into a, and I, and I often recognize early on, oh, that would be good in a song, or that would be good in a poem, or occasionally that I can see that as being part of a story, so. That little germ of an idea um, uh, gets planted, so to speak, and then uh, um, then I see where it takes me. Now, it, it's also true, and, and less so now than it used to be. It's also true that I start a number of things that I don't complete, but uh, I mean, I I have more ideas than I seem to fulfilled uh, I, I don't think that's uncommon but I I, I don't quite a, anymore have the that sense of abandoning works as readily as I used to I usually try to ask people like maybe some like favorite writers favorite influences artistically sure. towards the end if you wanted to list some names or talk about certain works okay sure um Kind of putting you on the spot there, but no, that's no. I it, it's it can take another hour on that, but um, uh, well, favorite writers, well, so many, but um, Nabokov, um, uh, his his prose is just so luscious, and that uh, I think, uh, not that, uh, well, very few people would write like that. And another 
prose stylist and just uh, um, writer of genius is Marcel Proust. Um, I think in terms of characterization and just general unfolding of a story and, and richness of atmosphere, I think Dickens. Let's see. Lately, I've been really taken with the work of Iris Murdoch. I think she has, uh, she really engages questions of art and, and sex and purpose. Uh, and she was a philosopher as well. So um, I think she's a very interesting writer. Um, Henry James. I mean, I, I tend to be draw, drawn to people that have, uh, uh, this wouldn't be the case with Iris Murdoch, but I, I tend to be drawn to writers that have something of an uh, elaborate writing style that are, uh, uh, although, uh, you know, I, I do admire the simplicity and clean prose of other writers. I mean, a fairly recent discovery for me is Willa Cather. Her, her, her prose, I think, is lucid and beautiful. Um, wow, there are scores of others I could say. That's a, a quick short list. I'm trying to think. Um, in, in poetry, and Wallace Stevens, he's challenging and difficult. Uh, but I think um, uh, certainly interesting. Um, someone might, let me think, uh, Theodore Rutke, R-O-E-T-H-K-E, was always uh, something of an inspiration for me, and, and Yates, W.B. Yates, and uh, um, Emily Dickinson. Mm. Yeah, there are lots, actually.